Hello, and welcome back to the Sincere Yogi Podcast, Season 2, Episode 3, Diving Into the Asana Practice of Hatha Yoga. Before we get into that, I just want to say thank you so much for being here. I know it's taken me a little longer to drip out Season 2. And I don't take for granted the fact that you are here, the fact that you are listening. I'm so appreciative to have you here. That's what keeps me going. So know that I see you downloading my episodes. I see how many listens I get. It literally fills me up with joy to know that you resonate with this information, to know that you want more. You're continuing to listen, to download, and to follow along. And I could not be more happy or more thankful that you're here. My in-person teaching schedule got a little crazy the past few months as I agreed to sub for one of my teachers while he was away on a trip. So I've been teaching in person a lot more than I normally do. I've been driving all over the island of Oahu where I live, and I've just been a busy body. But my schedule will be going back to normal again soon, and with that, I will be more consistent in this space on my blog and on my Instagram if you follow me there. So thank you for being patient with me as I drip out these episodes, and once again, just thank you for being here and making this possible. If you still want to see me, if you still want to practice with me, learn from me, I am continuing to teach weekly classes on Insight Timer, which is a meditation app, but I also teach live yin yoga and restorative yoga classes on Insight Timer as well. So if you're eager to learn more, if you want to see me, say hi, practice with me, go ahead and download the app. It's totally free. The classes are donation-based, so that's where you can find me up until, you know, the next few weeks when my schedule returns to normal. But with that, I'm not going to hold you any longer. Let's talk about Hatha Yoga and its asana practice. In the last episode, we talked about Hatha Yoga setting the foundation for asana being emphasized within the yoga practice. Asana was always a part of the eight-limbed path, but most practices didn't emphasize the use of asana at least not in the way that Hatha Yoga does. Hatha Yoga believes that the discipline that you create through your physical practice, the strength, the flexibility, translates to the mental strength, flexibility, and discipline needed for the rest of the limbs of practice. So we need to prepare the body, the mind, for pranayama, for meditation practices, to get the most out of those practices in general. Now, the kriyas are not specific to hatha yoga, but hatha yoga really emphasizes the use of kriyas or cleansing techniques within the body. These cleansing techniques, once again, just allow your asana practice to be that much more effective on a physical and energetic level, helping to remove any distractions, any imbalances in the body so that you can really focus in your asana or posture practice. Now, with that being said, let's talk about what the asana practice looks like in terms of hatha yoga. I think hatha yoga is marketed these days as a very beginner-friendly practice, and that's not wrong. It is an incredibly beginner-friendly practice because of the way the classes tend to be structured, but that doesn't mean that hatha yoga is easier than its counterparts. 
why Hatha Yoga tends to be categorized as a beginner-friendly practice is because the practice of asana or postures in Hatha Yoga is approached in a much more slow, deliberate manner than, let's say, vinyasa-based classes or power yoga classes where you're moving through postures very quickly, moving breath by breath. In Hatha Yoga, you'll move into postures and hold those postures for several rounds of breath. Now, this gives you as the student opportunity to fine-tune the posture, to work on your alignment, work on your engagement, find your breath within the posture. And then as the teacher, it allows the teacher to walk around, give adjustments, and give more individualized feedback, which is great for beginners. However, the asana practiced in Hatha Yoga can be any range of asana. In the Hatha Yoga Pratapika, we only see a small handful of asana being described, but that asana ranges from Sukhasana, a simple cross-legged seat, which can still be challenging if you've got tight knees, tight hips, a tight low back, to then Mayurasana or peacock pose, which is a very challenging arm balance. So there is a range of asana starting from that most basic foundational practice of a simple seat to the more complex dynamic practices of arm balances and inversions. Now, once again, the biggest difference is how we approach these asana, not necessarily the asana themselves. And that's relatively true across the board when it comes to the different lineages of practice. Of course, there's different alignments, there's different schools of thought on how to approach each pose, but the postures themselves are pretty universal among all lineages of practice, which is really, really cool here. And you may be wondering, okay, then how are we going to have a whole season dedicated to each individual asana practice? And that's because the way a class is structured and offered is going to reflect the lineage of practice that that specific teacher practices and offers in their classes. So I already let you in on the fact that Hatha Yoga is slower, that you'll hold postures for longer, but the postures can be beginner-friendly, intermediate, or advanced postures. It's not limited to just beginners here. Furthermore, it can be incredibly challenging, no matter what the difficulty of the posture is for you, to sit and hold a posture for a prolonged period of time. Even if it's just five breaths, five breaths in chair pose as opposed to one passing breath in chair is a totally different experience. Now, one thing about hatha yoga that holds true amongst other lineages of practice is that you still need to build heat within a hatha yoga class. And there's a few ways that teachers will do this before you enter some of those more advanced asana. Now, when we discussed the kriyas of hatha yoga, one of the kriyas we talked about was kapalabhati or skull shining breath. Skull shining breath, kapalabhati, involves taking a sharp inhale and a sharp exhale. And that exhale, you're drawing in on Mula Bandha. You're doing a deep core engagement to push that breath out. When you engage the core in that way and push the breath out in short little bursts, it helps to build that heat within the body. 
Not only that, but hatha yoga will still use sun salutations to help warm up the body as well. And not always, but there's usually a few sun salutations that you'll do, but they're not the typical sun salutations that you see in a vinyasa class, a power yoga class, or even in an ashtanga class. Hatha yoga is very much so a classical practice, so it pulls from the classical teachings of asana, and the classical sun salutations are very different than Surya Namaskar A and Surya Namaskar B. They use Astavakrasana instead of a full Chaturanga. You're stepping back into Anjaneyasana or a low lunge. So when you typically sign up for a Hatha yoga class in studio, you can expect usually, not always, some type of Kapalabhati breathing before you begin, some type of sun salutation to build heat. And then from there, the practice is less about the flow, less about how you're getting in and out of the poses, less about the transitions, and more about being in the poses and being aware of your body and breath within each posture. And that in and of itself can be very heat-inducing as well, very strength-based as well, because in order to practice these postures effectively and safely, you have to hold those engagements for however long you're holding your posture and continue to breathe within the posture. So all of that is a lot to think about, even though the practice is a lot more still from an external perspective. Now, in order to avoid, however, we still want to be conscious of not overdoing it within the postures. Yes, there's an element of strength to help keep your body in place, to help keep you safe, but you also can't overly constrict yourself with strength in the postures themselves. You don't want to wear yourself out. You don't want to cause injury, and you don't want to prevent yourself from accessing that more active or isometric mobility. And that's where the philosophy of shtira and sukha come into play. Shtira being that steadiness, that sense of strength, that effort, and sukha being that ease within the posture. And the idea of steadiness and ease is not strictly a hatha yoga practice, but the idea of shtira and sukha are referenced in the Hatha Yoga Pratipika. And so we are pulling from the Hatha Yoga practice, from the Hatha Yoga philosophy, when we bring Shtira and Sukha into other lineages of practice. And you'll see that there's a lot of crossover between these lineages as well, because yoga really is just yoga at the end of the day. There's many different approaches to the practice, many different styles of asana, which is why we've got this podcast. But my hope is that you start to see that truly there is no better lineage of practice. There is no right or wrong style. There are some lineages that'll be more effective for you on your journey, some that you'll vibe with more than others, and some that you might downright absolutely hate. And that's okay too. The different approaches to asana are definitely an acquired taste, so it's important to have a deeper understanding of these different styles of asana practice so that you know what practice to choose for yourself. Shtira and Sukha also have been used to reference the solar and lunar energies in the body. 
The solar energy, the sun energy, is believed to dominate over the right side of the body but is left-brained in nature. That solar energy is warming, it's energizing, it's a motivating energy. That's where we get our ability to put into action our thoughts, our words, and that lunar energy is cooler, is grounding, it's that sense of ease. It's that more introspective energy that rules over the left side of the body but is inherently right-brained. So finding that balance of effort and ease within the postures also helps find that balance of energy in the body and mind. And when you have that awareness, that balance of energy, it allows you to go deeper in your practices after asana. It allows you to go deeper in your pranayama practice. You have more awareness of your body, of your energy, of your breath. It allows you to go deeper in your meditation practice as you've built that discipline, you found that balance in the mind, and you're able to focus and sit in meditation for a much longer period of time. So what sets hatha yoga apart from other styles of asana practice, such as vinyasa, ashtanga, yin yoga? And we already talked about the philosophy of hatha yoga and the kriyas in the previous episode, and we already talked a little bit about that shtira and sukha here. So in terms of asana practice, what you can expect in a studio class when it comes to hatha yoga is because hatha yoga is a more classical, traditional practice, most hatha yoga teachers will also be more classical or traditional in their approach. So you may start class with some type of kapalabhati breathing, some type of heat-induced breathwork. You might do sun salutations, but they'll be classical salutations focusing on astavakrasana rather than chaturanga, as that's very true to the tradition of hatha yoga. And then, of course, there's less emphasis on the transitions of the postures, more emphasis on holding the postures, building that balance of effort and ease, balancing out the energies in the mental and physical body, and focusing on the breath within the postures themselves. That's really where you start to test the equanimous mind, starting to test the distractions and really build that focus and presence within each posture itself. When you find stillness in the body, it's oftentimes a lot harder to find stillness in the mind. So with less movement occurring in the body, it's a lot more challenging to keep the mind reined in, which means that hatha yoga can be very challenging physically as you're holding strength-based postures for longer breaths, but it's also very challenging mentally because holding postures can really start to stir the distractions, stir the chatter in your brain. And that's where the discipline of hatha yoga really starts to come to fruition and where you can see the physical discipline translating into the mental discipline of the practice on your mat in that moment. 
And then once again, because Hatha yoga is a classical practice, it's very traditional in its approach, you tend to have much more traditional teachers teaching Hatha yoga. Now, there's nothing wrong with being more traditional in your approach to asana or more modern in your approach to asana. And as we start to dive into the different lineages, you'll see what I mean by modern and classical. However, when you have a more traditional teacher, you tend to do things beyond asana within the class such as the kriyas in the beginning of class, which may or may not happen depending on the teacher. But then also you might move into some breath work, some pranayama before or after your shavasana practice. A lot of the times teachers who teach hatha yoga like that philosophy, like the traditions of the practice, and will do their best to bring in other limbs of the practice and other tools into their classroom setting. Now, this is true across the board when it comes to vinyasa, when it comes to ashtanga. There's still aspects of effort and ease. There's still aspects of breathwork and pranayama. However, in my experience with hatha yoga classes that I've taken, they're very well-rounded in the limbs of the practice. And a lot of the teachers that I've learned hatha yoga from do really enjoy teaching the kriya of kapalabhati in the beginning of class and practicing some type of pranayama or meditation practice before or after shavasana. Now, of course, each teacher, each studio has their own unique style. So I always recommend going to a class, trying something new, trying a new teacher, trying a new style. And if it doesn't resonate, no worries. If it does, then you found another tool, another style to put in your arsenal when it comes to your yoga practice. With that being said, we're going to wrap up our discussion on Hatha Yoga, and in the next episode, we're going to talk a little bit about the history and the lineage of Iyengar Yoga. So stay tuned, and I'll see you then.